All right, well, good morning. If you'll go ahead and get your outline, uh, the insert in your bulletin, we are in a series on values that build lasting success. And today we're going to be talking about self-control. Anything that is uncontrolled in your life is eventually going to destroy you, even if that particular thing is not wrong in and of itself. Eating, drinking, TV, internet, spending money, chocolate. This is Proverbs 25:28. A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Now self-control is not the quality that everybody wants to talk about. Our society is not into discipline. We are into, is it going to make me feel good? Now suppose last week we had put up out on the sign this. Come Sunday and learn about self-control and discipline. Do you think the place would just be overflowing with visitors? Some of our own members may not have even shown up. So what does the Bible have to say about self-control? What about when you get angry? Well, we're going to see that self-control is not just for people who blow up, it's also for those who clam up. And when you get angry... You have two choices. Number one, you can be a skunk and stink the place up. Or number two, you can be a turtle and go into your shell. Now what usually happens is this. Skunks marry turtles. And that's why one of you tends to let it all hang out. While the other kind of withdraws and has a tendency to be more reserved. We are living in a society that more and more does not know how to handle anger and emotions. There's all kinds of crimes that are related to anger. Profanity is on the increase on non-premium channels. I know they've been cussing on HBO for 25 years, but I'm talking about the regular channels. Now, they may bleep it out, Yeah, you know exactly what they're saying, so they might as well not even be bleeping it out. So the people can't control their anger. I read about a dishwasher in a restaurant who shot another guy because he did not put the silverware into the dishwasher correctly. That's the kind of society we're living in. So what does God have to say about controlling our anger. Anger in and of itself is not a sin. It's how we choose to control it that makes it positive or negative. Uncontrolled anger will destroy you. Managed anger can be a tremendous asset. I mean, if if somebody's hurting your child, anger and outrage is the appropriate emotion. If you don't get angry, it means that you really don't care. Now, the book of Proverbs is great when it comes to self-control 
because it gives us seven steps that we can take to learn self-control and learn how to manage our anger. So let's take a look at the first one. Number one is you have to resolve to control it. You have to resolve to control it. Quit saying that you can't control it and start realizing that you can. This is Proverbs 29.11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Now what I'd like for you to do is circle keeps. I think that's the key word of the whole verse, keeps. Because what it means is it's an act of the will. Anger is a choice just like every other emotion. Now we don't like to admit that we have control over our anger, but we do. Because you can be having an argument with somebody, get a call on your cell phone, suspend the argument, take the call, finish it, and then go back to the argument. So don't tell me that we can't control anger. Resolve simply means that you decide in advance before you hit the boiling point. You need to have some strategies and procedures in place before the crisis. So why is it important for us to resolve to control anger? That's the second point. I need to realize the cost. I need to realize the cost. If I realize the cost attached to uncontrolled anger, I am more likely to control it. Now, the Bible is very specific about the cost. It says in Proverbs 29:22, A hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kinds of trouble. Have you ever seen that verse illustrated in life? Somebody does something just real stupid, and makes a fool out of themselves. Of course, I know none of you have personally done that, but you've seen others who have done that. This is Proverbs 11.29. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. What this passage is saying is, you always lose when you lose your temper. You can lose your reputation, lose the love of your children, love of your spouse, lose your job. And what happens is you end up with nothing worthwhile. Now, as parents, we are often tempted to motivate our children through uncontrolled anger. Well, it's because it works in the short run. I'm going to put the fear of the Lord in you. The end result is alienation. Talk about uncontrolled anger. You end up alienating the people that you love the most in life and you finally become apathetic and say, I just don't care anymore. And so the Bible says, that we need to realize that there is a cost involved in uncontrolled anger. 
And if we can control it, learn to control it, then it's going to be an asset that works in our favor. And then number three, I need to learn to restrain my mouth. If there's anybody here having any difficulty understanding any of these points, just raise my hand. Maybe these aren't too difficult. I need to learn to restrain my mouth. Anger control is really about mouth control, isn't it? We talk about control our anger. We're talking about controlling our mouths is what we're talking about. Now, this is Proverbs 21, 23 in the New Living. This is great. If you keep your mouth shut, you will stay out of trouble. How many of this, this this is your memory verse for this week. And so I think that we should start by saying it aloud together. Okay, you ready? If you keep your mouth shut, you will stay out of trouble. Exactly, exactly. What I have learned from my own personal experience is it's much more difficult for me to put my foot in my mouth when it's closed than when it's open. Now, research shows, this is research, the average man speaks approximately 20,000 words a day. The average woman speaks approximately 30,000 words a day. So a man, about 20,000, woman, about 30,000. So husbands, this is the reason why when you come home from work, and you're all wore out and tired, and you just want to sit in your chair and nobody bother you, that your wife comes in and she's all ready to have this long extended conversation with you, it's because she has a 10,000 word surplus. And unlike the AT&T plan, it doesn't roll over. So this husband and wife were in a counseling session and the counselor, he could see there was frustration on the husband's face. And he just kind of looked at him real serious. And, and he said to him, do you resent it when your wife always gets the last word? And the husband said, no, not at all. I'm just glad when she finally gets to it. Okay. <clears throat> now, have most of you heard about the Cash for Clunkers program? Cash for clunkers, you can turn in an old car for a newer, more efficient car and get up to a $4,500 credit from the government. Well, this lady wrote into, wrote sound off in the newspaper. This is from Friday. I wish there was a place to trade in a clunker husband for a new model and get $4,500 back. And so I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of the wives of who would participate in that clunker, cash for clunker husband program. So we need to learn to restrain our mouths. Okay, I have a poem now. I came across this poem. It's profound. A wise old owl sat in an oak. And the more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Let's try to be more like that bird. That was not too hot on that one, huh? How about sympathy? Anything from sympathy? I get a sympathy. All right. Yeah. This is James 119. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Did you notice? It's a formula. If you do the first two, the third one happens automatically. Now, the truth is, no one can fully control their own mouth. And that's the reason why we need God's power. Now, there are some myths about anger that just are not true. I don't know how we we get these myths and we start to believe them, but they're not true. Now, one myth, one myth is that we all have a reservoir of anger. Think of it as a bucket of anger. Everybody has a bucket of anger. And when the bucket gets full of anger, you have to pour some of it out on somebody. And after you pour it out, oh, you feel so much more wonderful and blessed and peaceful. And then when the bucket fills up with anger again, you pour some more of it out. That's a myth. Research shows that we do not have a bucket of anger in our hearts. We have a factory. And the more you angrily release your emotions, the more you create anger and aggression. And so we have to learn to restrain our mouths. Okay, number four. I need to reflect before reacting. If you can spend a little time reflecting before you, you know, instead of reacting, then that would be good. Now this is Proverbs 29.11 in the New English Bible. A stupid man gives free rein to his anger. A wise man waits and lets it grow cool. Circle the word waits. A wise man waits for it to grow cool. Did you know that the concept of cooling is in the Bible? It's right there. Proverbs 29.11 in the New English Bible. And so, I have a word for all of you. It's deep, it's profound, and it's theological. Chill out. Every one of you right now, just chill out. Now, delay is a tremendous remedy for anger. I'm not talking about indefinite delay. I mean, if you, if you delay something indefinitely, that's no good because it becomes bitterness and bitterness is worse than anger because bitterness is always a sin. But I'm talking about a short delay. That's good because it gives you time to think about how you're going to respond. And so let's take the word think and turn it into an acronym. Did I put that in your outline? Oh, okay, good. T, is it truthful? Is it truthful? Before you say it, just ask yourself, is this the truth as far as I know the truth? Is it truthful? T-H-H. Is it helpful? Is it helpful? Is Am I saying this to harm or hurt the person or help the person? I. Is it inspirational? Is it something that is going to build up 
or tear down? And is it necessary? Is it absolutely necessary for me to say this? There's a lot of stuff I say that's, well, it's just dumb stuff. It doesn't even add to the conversation. It's not even necessary. So is it necessary? And K, is it kind? You, you can say something that's negative, but in a kind, kind of way. In a kind, kind of way. Okay. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. The more you understand, the more understanding you'll be. The more you understand yourself, the more understanding you will be of other people. So ask yourself three questions. Number one, why am I angry? Number two, what do I really want? And number three, how can I get it? Blowing up is rarely the way to get what you want. You have to understand that when you become angry, anger is not the problem. It is the symptom. It's kind of like if you get like just all of a sudden like a big sore forms on your arm. The sore is not the problem. It's the symptom. The real problem is something below the skin or something in your system that is causing it. So when you're angry, understand that's the symptom, not the problem. Now there's three basic causes of anger. Number one is when I'm hurt. Number two, when I'm frustrated. And number three, when I'm fearful. Number one, when I'm angry, I, when, when I'm hurt, when I'm hurt or wounded, I get angry. Have you ever stubbed your toe or hit your thumb with a hammer? I was in the garage the other day. We have a, like a bonus room above the garage and the garage is maybe 22 feet. And so they had to put the steel post right in the middle of the garage to support the, the floor upstairs. And it's right where you open the door every time. You just you can go a little ahead, a little back, but it's always right in your way. And so I'm getting out of the car the other day, and and uh, and, and I and I go by the post and I kick it, and, and with and I hit it with my small toe. And you know what my reaction was? I got mad at everybody in the family. It was the most amazing thing, and I even knew I was going to be preaching this lesson. And I still got mad at everybody. And if we had a pet, I would have been mad at the pet too. And then when we're frustrated, we, we, we get angry when we're frustrated. We get angry when we have to wait. You know why? Because it's out of our control and we can't stand things that we can't control. And then fear causes anger. Because the more insecure I am, the more difficult time I have handling my temper because I feel threatened by everybody. Everybody's out to get me. Family's out to get me. Church is out to get me. Government's out to get me. Everybody's after me. So God has given us the emotion of anger. How we choose to express it determines whether it is good or bad. So we need to learn to reflect before reacting. Reflect first, then respond. 
And then number five is I need to release my anger appropriately. I need to release my anger appropriately. Now this is Proverbs, uh, how about Ephesians 4.26. Been in Proverbs for so long, I just assumed the next one was Proverbs. This is Ephesians 4.26, good news. If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin and do not stay angry all day long. Does that verse indicate that there is a way that you can be angry and not sin? Yes. So what are the ways to deal with anger appropriately? Well, there's three things that you don't do. Number one is don't suppress your anger. Okay. Don't, don't, don't try to, to push it down. All right. Don't store it up inside of you kind of like a Coke can. You know, you have a Coke can and you shake the can up and then when you flip the top, it, it explodes. If you don't talk it out, you're going to end up taking it out. So don't suppress your anger. Number two is don't repress it. That is, don't push it down and deny it. Don't say, oh, everything is wonderful and fine. Your spouse is spending more money than the household income. Oh, everything is just great. That's denial. You need to be honest. And then three is don't express it in inappropriate ways. Some of you have a PhD in pouting. You're doctors of pouting. Because when you get angry and things don't go your way, your lip gets five inches long. And everybody around you has to walk on pins and needles. Some of you are manipulators. Your goal is, this is the philosophy you live by, don't get mad, get even. So people often express anger in inappropriate ways. Some people get drunk. Some people go out and have an affair. Some people blow their stack and cause air pollution. Anger makes you do senseless things. So what do you do? You confess it. You express appropriately how you feel. So this is Proverbs 22. It says, keep away from, <laughs> keep away from angry, short-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Wow! This verse is saying that anger is contagious. And it is, isn't it? It's almost like it's some kind of an airborne disease. Because have you ever been talking with somebody and they got loud and you know what you did? You got loud. And they got louder and you got louder. And they started to look mean and you started to look mean. Circle the word learn. Circle that. A part of it's underlined. You will learn. Circle learn. How you express your anger is learned behavior. And how you express it was determined by the kind of upbringing that you had. But generally speaking, when it comes to anger, people, people express it one of three ways. They become a mute, they become a martyr, or they become a maniac. 
Some of you are mute. You know, what? No, I'm not. No. I'm not talking about it. And that's it. No, I'm not talking. That was the mute. Okay. And then some of you are, oh, I can't believe this is happening. You're against me. Everybody's against me. Nobody's on my side. That was the martyr. And I didn't know quite how to do the maniac, and I thought I was going to call up one of you that I think are kind of maniacs. But I don't want to call you up. Now, the good news is this. Since inappropriate behavior is learned, it can be unlearned. God wants to give you the power to change. Now, there's a couple of books that I'd like to recommend to you at the top of your outline. One of the books is Make Anger Your Ally. And that's the definitive book on self-control and anger management, and it served as the basis and the source for today's lesson. The second book is also good. It's The Language of Love. And what's great about these books is that they teach you how to get your point across without being cross. See what happens a lot of times? Is we get our point across, but we're mean while we do it. So those two books are great. And then number six is return good for evil. Return good for evil. Booker T. Washington was the first president of Tuskegee University near Montgomery. And this is a quote from him. I will never let another man control my life by making me hate him. Let me say that again. I will never let another man control my life by making me hate him. You see, when you say to a person, you make me mad, you are admitting that that person is controlling you. You show control by returning good for evil. Now here's Romans 12. It says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. So we have two choices. Number one, we can spend all of our time retaliating or trying to retaliate. Or number two, we can let God settle the score. And who do you think has more resources available to settle the score? God does. Now, these steps that we've talked about are helpful. But if you don't get a power beyond yourself, you're not going to be able to do them. And so this seventh step is what ties in these first six. So what I'm saying is, you can do the first six, but it isn't going to work until you tie in number seven, which is this. Request God's help. Request God's help. Now here's a passage. Psalm 141.3, New Century. Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me be careful about what I say. So how exactly does God help us manage our mouth and control our anger? 
we're asking him, help me. What's he going to do? Well, he helps us by going right to the source and cause of it all. Now, this is what Jesus said. This is the heart of the matter. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Now, you've heard the expression, and it's true. The heart of the issue, what's the rest of it? Is the issue of the heart. See, it's not my mouth that gets me into trouble. Let me say that again. It is not my mouth that gets me into trouble. It's my heart. It is not what I say that gets me into trouble. It's what I think that leads to what I say that gets me into trouble. See, a lot of times people will say something like this. I just don't know what got into me. Why, I'm just not that kind of person. Listen, it wouldn't be coming out of your mouth if it wasn't in your heart first. If the water is contaminated, we have to go to the source in order to handle the problem. We can't just go up here to the water treatment plant and say there's bad water up here. Well, we'll just throw in some more salt or something. You have to follow Big Creek all the way up to Big Creek Lake and find out what is causing the water to be contaminated. Jesus said whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Jesus explained the Freudian slip long before Freud even knew there was a slip. My words determine my heart's condition. So let me give you a couple of things. I think it's out of the book, Anger, Make Anger Your Ally. A harsh tongue is demonstrating an angry heart. A boastful mouth is demonstrating an insecure heart. An over-talkative mouth is demonstrating an unsettled heart. A critical word for everybody is demonstrating a bitter heart. A judgmental mouth is demonstrating a guilty heart. On the other hand, if I have encouraging words for other people, it means I have a happy heart. If I have gentle words for people when they're down, it means I have a loving heart. If I have kind and comforting words for people, it shows that I have a peaceful heart. The point is, what you say shows what you are like on the inside. Now, God wants to help you change and give you a brand new heart. And the great thing about the Lord is when He changes you, He doesn't just paint the pump. He gives you a new attitude from the inside out. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, not a restoration of the old. You know, you, you take something that's beat up and you restore. It doesn't say that. It says he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So Jesus wants to give you his power and his confidence to replace your insecurity. He wants to give you love to replace your hurts. 
Maybe you're dealing with a recent hurt. Maybe something like a divorce or a financial problem. Or maybe you have hurts that go back a long ways to your childhood. The Lord wants to replace those hurts with His love. He wants to give you peace to replace your frustration when you say, I can't handle this on my own. The Lord wants to mold you and make you into a new person. So here's the question that I'd like to leave you with. Will you give your life to Him? When are you going to give your life to Him? I believe if we will follow these seven biblical principles, that our lives will be more fulfilling, and more satisfying, and we'll get a whole lot more of enjoyment out of them. Will is going to lead us in an invitation hymn. If you need us to pray on your behalf, if you need to us to assist you in being baptized, if we can help you in some way, please let us know what your need is while we stand and sing.